This is a Rooster Teeth production. August 2nd, 1343. A French nobleman is executed by the king for treason. His wife is distraught, especially when his head is displayed on a pole for all to see. She swears revenge. How she takes her vengeance will earn her a place in naval history for centuries to come. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. I'm standing right in front of the remains of the Peter Airedale, and she is stunning, magnificent. All I can think about is how much gravel ballast this baby must have held. God, I love it. Anyway, we got a hell of a podcast in store for you today. Thank you for listening, and may your bones bleach in these sands. Uh, and that was recorded at the wreck, or what's left of the wreck of the Peter Airedale. Cool. Off the coast of Oregon. It was so sick. Yeah. It should be I'm like jealous. a, it's like ship hits the fan Mecca. <laughs> was it cool? Was it like meeting a celebrity? It honestly, I was like giddy. I was like, like skipping my way down the beach and it was like raining and cloudy and cold and miserable. And it felt very reminiscent. And I only wish that I had had a glass of whiskey to toast Captain H. Lawrence yeah. and, uh, and, and the gravel that. ballast. Yeah, yeah. I should have thought about that. I should just, I'm I should jealous. be someone that carries a flask. You know, mm-hmm. no, yeah, <laughs> nah, okay, yeah, maybe yeah, not, maybe not. Now. You're right. A wet bar. I'll bring yeah. it to the beach. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. It sounds fun in theory, but in real life, it just kind of means you're an alcoholic. Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just uh, not uncool necessarily. <laughs> right, but, but yeah, it's 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 maybe fun in your twenties. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my twenties. Oh, then go for <laughs> quickly it. quickly waning. All right. The royal line of succession seems, for all intents and purposes, to be a failed system. So often an heir is never born, or even worse, a daughter is. But for all this outdated and inbred mode of leadership lacks, it does lead to fantastic clashes. Born of such calamity was the Lioness of Brittany, who girl-bossed her way across the English (laughs) Channel and through countless French crews. Queen, we salute you, queen. This is a true queen. Oh, this yeah. Is oh, my God. Way before Incredible the current queen. An OG queen. Uh, is, you're doing something a little different today. We have a script not necessarily about a ship. No. But about uh, a woman. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Uh, this so is, this we're is a pretty male-dominated more... podcast. <laughs> we're going to focus on just an individual today. And her role in several shipwrecks, I think. Many. (laughs) It's ladies. Welcome aboard the ladies' cruise. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right, let's get into it. The hero of our story is a lady by the name of Jean Louise de Belleville. Oh no, we're gonna have a lot of French names in this one, aren't we? We. Oh yeah. You are gonna have a lot of French names in this one. That why I'm reading. You, my Minnesota friend. We no. Uh, she was born in 1300, the daughter of Maurice the Fourth of Belleville Montaigu <laughs> and Letice de Parthenay. And before we go further, all right, just get Sorry, the get the sounds, laughs. It just out sounds now. like lettuce. Like, I know, can I get the, I let- the lettuce to Parthenay? Letice. Uh, I'm getting strong sophomore year French two vibes. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Smoking a yeah. cigarette well, outside. Joke's on you. I never made it out of Spanish one. <laughs> oh. I did try four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And before we go further, we should note that details of Jean's life are limited. There are some historical records that we can go by, but given that we're talking about something that happened in the 1300s, there are inevitably some legends and myths that get mixed into the soup. So, you know, sorry, I guess. <laughs> uh, back to the story. Jean was born to high nobility in Brittany, which is a peninsula on the northwestern corner of modern-day France. Now, we said earlier in the intro that Jean was French, but that's not 100% accurate. While Brittany is currently part of France, back in Jean's day, it was a duchy with Celtic roots that was basically a fief of the nearby kingdom of France. Ugh, I love, duchy is probably an all-time medieval-ish word for me. <laughs> yeah. The duchy. This is where all the King Arthur stuff was happening. If you ever read like King Arthur stuff, it's all in Brittany. Yeah, right. It is more Celtic than than like popular interpretations French. would lead us to believe. Is yeah. it very French? Yeah. Wow. You you wonder, yeah, how did a French lady go on a tear like this? And you're like, oh, she's from the Irish part of France. Okay, <laughs> yeah. now it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Fun fact, little aside. Brittany was considered one of the six Celtic nations, along with Ireland, Scotland, Cornwall, the Isle of Man, and Boston. Wales. Boston. Oh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not yet. They're a collection of regions in northwestern Europe where the Celtic languages and cultural traits have survived. So, while Brittany eventually was absorbed into France, it definitely had its own unique culture. We don't know a lot about Jeanne's early life, except that her father passed away when she was four years old, and there are no known records that her mother remarried. Loyal. I like it. Yeah. It shouts out the single moms. <laughs> At age 12, Jeanne was married to a 19-year-old named Jeffrey de Chateaubriand, and they had two children. Was that a big age difference? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. 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 Even back then, I feel like they were like, damn, dude, come on. Jeffrey. The marriage lasted until 1326 when de Chateaubriand left this mortal coil. Huh. Yeah. Huh? At that point, Jean married again. This is in 1328 to another noble, Guy de Penthievre. Wow, it's tough. Nailed Penthi it. I don't know. I got an American Guy script de for the next step. <laughs> yeah. But this was short-lived and was annulled two years later. However... Jean, not done getting hitched. Oh, no. Didn't give up on love. No. Four years later, Jean was married again to what would be the love of her life. The sea. Nope, it's a man. Oh. Yeah. Jean's <laughs> new husband was a wealthy, handsome, charismatic Breton nobleman by the name of Olivier IV de Clisson. He had a castle in nearby Clisson, mm. as well as a manor house in the Breton capital of Nantes and the other lands in the western part of France. Meanwhile, Jeanne had lands of her own. She'd inherited land in the province of Poitou, Poitou. South, of Poitou, south of the Breton border. Put all that together, and you have what is now known as a power couple, right? Yeah, like we yeah, were. Yeah, they were like, I, I feel like a pillar of the community in Brittany. I feel like yeah. they were definitely some of, the, some of the, the movers and shakers of that area. They were invited to all the... Uh, all the dinner parties, the, the, the yes. you know, the socialites. Yeah, and the eyes wide shut parties. Well, that was just every party back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, that wasn't, you didn't have to specify. Right, of just course. Just said party. You're going to Clisson. Yeah. You're going to yeah. go to Clisson. Yeah. So, by all accounts, the two were extremely close and the marriage was a happy one. They had five children together. It so. is so nice to hear. I feel like so many of them more follow the track of the, the first marriage where it is a right. child and yeah. uh, normally I feel like the, the woman dies in childbirth. Right. And it's just an awful affair. Yep. 
but this is love. And she did her duty and she doesn't need to live anymore. But yeah, this <laughs> sure. is this it's nice to see them like a happy couple. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, then war came and everything changed for the family. A big war. This was like the war for a Yeah, long because time. I mean, I feel like also in this time period, war was just always happening constantly and it was you know smaller scale stuff but then every once in a while you'd have a big one so we should get into some historical background here around 1337 the hundred years war kicked off between the kingdoms of england and france while the two kingdoms had already been at war off and on for centuries this war was one of the most significant conflicts in the entire middle ages it lasted for much of the next 116 years and it involved five generations of kings from two dynasties fighting for control of Western Europe. This is literally like a video game. This is Crusader Kings or like <laughs> Civ Five. Like it's yes. it's like, yeah, you can zoom out and in the span of two hours, you can see kingdoms rise and fall. But these are people's entire, imagine going back five generations in your own lineage and, and well, one war lasting all of it. Yeah, but also like, I guess they Somebody were shorter. Somebody lived for 30 years back. That yeah, was a good life. Yeah, they had kids at 12. Yeah, so okay. a little, a, you know. More like 10 generations. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, right. It was like, and I don't think we have a good idea, or at least I don't, being from backwards-ass Texas, but it, it's it's stunning to me how long England and France have been at war because it was basically constant yes. from like the end of the Roman Empire until like 1800s, just all the time. There would be little breaks, but like it, it was just unceasing. Yep. The first phase of the Hundred Years' War was also known as the Edwardian War because it was started by King Edward III of England. Because the French king, Charles IV, had died with no male heir, Edward claimed the throne considering that his mother, Isabella, was sister of the dead king. Again, these people are all related. Does this does, does any of this work? You could tell me any royal person ascends to any royal throne, and I'm like, well, I suppose so. I, guess, yeah, I sure. mean, if that's how yeah. it works, that's how it works. No, like royalty in Europe is just a <laughs> horrid inbred pot of like, like these people have been inbreeding for a thousand years it's now. amazing like 80 dudes had a claim to that throne yeah i'm sure Look at, on the uh, low end which yep. old prince's hands are all messed up all, you know what i'm talking about no but there's one oh, i don't remember yeah i don't know but it's, awful I, hands. It's, it's all just this weird inbred stuff so yeah anytime somebody dies without an heir it's like people come out of the woodwork to be like well my it's my cousin it's my it's claim my yeah niece. it's my whatever um it's just game of thrones and they're all right they all they, are related. They all have so a claim. They all have yeah. technically a claim. Meanwhile, though, the French aristocracy decided that the nearest heir through male ancestry was Charles IV's first cousin, Philip. The French nobility decided that he should be crowned Philip VI. So this succession crisis set off a war that would result in decades of fighting. And Brittany would be a key focal point of the war between England and France due to its strategic location. And importantly to our story today, Brittany had a succession crisis of its own after the Duke of Brittany died with no male heir in 1341. Do not die before Don't bearing die a male heir. Have some boys, yeah, you know, got get to. some fellows got in the mix. To. Ridiculous. There's got to be some <laughs> sort of fruit or like lamb shank <laughs> yeah. you can eat that will, you know, juice things for the, get, give you some fellows running around the house, I some know. little tykes, you I know. know? 
This was the origin of dudes rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so both England and France saw an opportunity here, considering that Brittany lay between their kingdoms and would provide either a useful foothold or buffer to invasion. The Frenchman who claimed to be the Duke of Brittany was a nobleman named Charles de Blois. He was backed by Jean's husband, Olivier de Clisson, who was a childhood friend of de Blois. <laughs> yeah, they were boys <laughs> yeah. from way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were them boys. <laughs> but another guy was like, nah, dude, I'm actually the new Duke of Brittany. That guy was John de Montfort, and he was backed by Edward III of England. So nobility fights, great stuff. I mean, we just talked about this in another episode where the, the three cousins... Cousins being mad at each other. In World yeah. War One, That was oh, World War One, was just three yeah. cousins fighting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the main point here is that the Clissons were allied with de Blois against the English, but there was a problem. While the two were childhood friends, de Blois wasn't convinced of Olivier de Clisson's loyalty. Maybe they had a falling out in pre-K over who made the best mud pies. Maybe they were both in love with each other's cousins, who were also their own cousins. Mm. We there's or no way to know. Each other. Or each other, probably. Yeah. Also. There's no way to know. I saw you looking at my 12-year-old cousin. Oh, oh, no, 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 Oh, I wish you wouldn't, Brian. Oh, let me take my glove off, and if I slap you in the face with it, oh, this means a war. This is better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like this. Apparently, there were rumors that Olivier, Jean's husband, had defected and joined the English side, which would obviously be a big no-no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the type of thing they would tie a horse to each of your limbs for and then make them run. Tickle you? In this oh. No, to tear you in pieces. Yeah. yeah. So things went sideways for Olivier in 1342 when he was captured by the English. Yeah, it gets a little confusing with the sides here and whose uh, side who is on. But yeah. We should get to the ship stuff. We will. Okay. And when we will, it will be <laughs> extremely good. Like, it's about I, to pop off. I, I know. I yeah, swear yeah. to you, the payoff for this, like ship wise, I'm, I'm talking to the audience right oh, now. Right. I'm telling you, it's maybe the best <laughs> final third of an episode we're going to have. <laughs> We're just doing some world building here. Yeah, this yeah, is like yeah. the first 30 hours of the game that's slow. This is like right. the, what's the Tolkien Silmarillion? What? Silmarillion. Silmarillion. Yeah, it's like that. No, that's not slow. That's very cool and good. Yeah, keep so. reading. He was eventually returned to the French, but the ransom paid for his return was suspiciously low. That led to more fears that de Clisson wasn't truly on the French side and was a double agent for the hated English. This guy just can't win. No. So what did de Blois do in response? He hatched a plan to betray his friend, obviously. Mm. That's mm -hmm. what these people do all day. A year later, in 1343, Olivier got an invitation to a tournament outside of Brittany. According to the note, the occasion was to celebrate France's truce with England, but that was not oh true. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. When Olivier got to the tournament, he was captured along with 15 other Breton lords and taken to Paris to be tried in court. Some real- Got him. Yeah, some real Game of Thrones machinations going on here. That is nuts. I love, though, in this time period, you could just be like, oh, yeah, we're signing a truce. And the person, I guess, just has to believe you. All right, I'll be there. What, I'll bring 15 of my best no, guys. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> they can't Google anything. They're like, wait a minute, what is Twitter saying about this? Yeah. Is this real or yeah. is this fake? Th this is the, the combination of being constantly at war with neighboring nations uh, who are genetically <laughs> identical. <laughs> your your <Yeah>. <laughs> siblings, um, but also being so bored that you can just constantly just like spiral <laughs> in your right, mind. Like yeah. who's betraying me today yeah. and how shall I trick them into captivity? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Are these people Protestants or Catholics? Because <laughs> the answer 
is huge. Yeah. You- <laughs> so on August 2nd, 1343, Olivier de Clisson was found guilty of treason along with several others in sham trials where the verdict was not ever in doubt. They knew how it was going to end from the very beginning. Yikes. Clisson adamantly protested his innocence until his very last moment, but it was to no avail as he was beheaded. Yeah. Even worse, his head was displayed on a pike on a castle in the city of Nantes. Oh, and uh, Olivier's body was put in a gibbet. Oh. Uh, Yeah, one of those barred cages. You know what I'm talking about that they hang? uh, That would display a rotting body. In in Paris. Oh, that's metal as hell. It is. It is. Yeah. There's no there's no way around that. Unless you're the family, then it's then it sucks. sucks. Well, yeah, no, it's still it's, it's metal. still metal, unfortunately. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Ned Stark of the day, I guess, if we want to go back to the the Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, he must have based it off something. Yeah. Listen, if I were to be put in a gibbet, mm-hmm. I would prefer I were already dead because I am claustrophobic. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can see everything in a gibbet, though. It's not like it's uh, not about. See, it's not an oubliette. I mean, I wouldn't want to get stuck in a glass elevator. Looking at you, Wonka. Okay, okay, shots fired. Keep being uh, yourself. Yeah. So this whole thing was a huge shock to the upper crust, especially the manner of his death, because beheadings and displays of bodies were usually punishments reserved for lowborn criminals, not a nobleman. So yeah, the nobility, very shocked that this could happen to one of them. It's okay when it happens to the peasants. That's just how the world works. That's their job. Right, yeah. yeah. They like it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in one of those gibbets because I hate birds, so I wouldn't want them pecking at me like that. Oh, that's true, because you are a tasty snack, Brian, for birds everywhere. <laughs> you know it. I do also want to say, like, we should recognize uh, the tendency of France uh, mistreating its its lowborn. Uh, did pop off Couple eventually. Couple yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it, it came to pass, yeah. so like, hey, maybe don't put anyone in a gibbet. Or I don't know. I don't. I think there's room for gibbet-based punishments in our justice system. <laughs> okay, well, but we can have a conversation we'll talk about after, this yeah, off we'll talk air. Later. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, it was really a shock for Jean, who adored her husband, and his death would send her life on a completely different trajectory. Basically, the only thing on Jean's mind from this point on was making the French pay for what they did to her husband. It's about to get so sick. Yeah, I, I can't I can't I cannot stress enough. She flips on them violently. Oh, she yeah. swerves. So in a somewhat questionable parenting move, maybe not for the time, Jean's first stop was to take her young sons to see the head of their dead father. This is also, though, a time when, like, you'd get the whole family out to the gallows to see someone hang instead of, you know, it's, watching. Yeah. I don't know. Glee. Glee? Is that what people what watch? It? What? It's sad, but that can't have been the first severed head they'd ever seen. No, 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 certainly not. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a young mother and you have sons and their father was just uh, murdered, they're a huge asset, and you want them pissed off so they can avenge you. Yes. Uh, having just seen the Northmen, yep, I feel strongly about that. It's a big part of the Silmarillion too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's also hard as a single parent. What do you do to keep the kids entertained? They can't watch TV all day. You got to get them outdoors, some fresh air, see some sights. So yeah. she was trying to just kill the day before bedtime. Visitation. Exactly. Tire them out. Yeah. yeah. Go see dad. <laughs> Not surprisingly, she swore revenge on the French king, Philip VI, as well as the Duke, Charles de Blois, who she felt had betrayed and murdered her husband. He did. He did. It yeah. sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that wasn't enough. Jean personally went to war with France. <laughs> She proceeded to sell all of the family's land and everything else she owned. Jewels, clothes, furniture, 
you name it. Children. No, <laughs> does, she, she, know, she did keep them. Kids. She did keep them. Okay. Yeah. She then used that money to raise her own private army of hundreds of men who had been loyal to her husband. Yes, yeah. man. Her goal was to kick the French out of Brittany. She led the army in repeated attacks of French strongholds, which reportedly included a castle owned by one of Diblo's officers. The officer apparently recognized Jeanne and led her inside the castle. <laughs> See, if you're just a pretty lady, you don't need a big wooden horse to get into the enemy's castle. No, you, you just really walk don't. up and say, hey, remember me? And they're like, oh, come in, come in, please. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jeanne, I haven't seen you since your party with my wife from Pilates class. How are you doing? Get in here. Of course you may come in with your hundreds, hundreds of men. Of men. <laughs> yes. Can we, we were just passing through. Can me and my hundreds of men come in? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. What are you doing poking up from that tunnel? Never mind, come in. <laughs> uh, so in response to this generosity, Jean's force proceeded to massacre the entire garrison, leaving only one survivor. By the time de Blois and his army arrived, Jean's forces had escaped into the night, mm -hmm. and uh, they'd also taken anything of value from the castle. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Just hardcore gangster. Yep. Her army then went on a spree along the coast of nearby Normandy, where they burned entire villages. This, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, okay, know. okay, Jean. So in 1343, she was found guilty of treason in France and her remaining lands were confiscated because she kept she kept a few, you know. You want somewhere to go home to. Yeah. As a treat. Sort of put your feet up. Despite the sentence, it doesn't seem like she was caught and punished, probably, you know, because she was still burning and pillaging along the French coast. Oh, queen. Yeah. And she had a new ally, King Edward III of England. He granted Jean income from all the lands in Brittany that were owned by England. Because at this point, he correctly thought, you know who's going to help me in my war against France? A really pissed off widow with a load of money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, hell hath no fury, right? That's right. Smart I mean, move. Just Smart move. It's, it's so like wild that like they're like, this guy is an agent of King Edward. And it's like, he gets captured by the English and then give him back for a ransom. And then they're like, well, let's murder him because I think he's working for the king. And then they piss off that guy's wife so much that she directly allies with, with King Edward. And wages and, war, and wages against, war France. against France. And massacres all the people. Fairly successfully. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. successfully. Yeah, and she's about to get even better because I know you may be thinking, folks, that this is a little bit land-based for yeah, shit. we've been on land the for a while. But yeah. Don't worry. This is in miniature why we lost Iraq and Afghanistan. <laughs> like, this is why the war in terrorism was a joke because we created a million Jean de Clisson. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, Jean decided to make a change and take to the seas. There it is. She built a fleet of three warships, which she had painted black oh. and their sails dyed red. Yes. Yeah. Damn, with the blood of the French, I yep. can only assume. <laughs> This was to let her enemies know who was coming and what fate awaited them. <laughs> branding, yep. branding yes. right there. She gets aesthetics. And, you know, also because they probably looked really cool with those colors. Oh my they God. probably looked Can sick. Can you imagine, yeah. especially in like the dead of night, there's nothing there. Nope. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> What's that red sail doing? <laughs> So to put a cherry on top, she named the flagship of the fleet My Revenge. Oh, I chills. Like, look, it's, chills. A little, it's a little on the nose, sure. But yeah, but this is like the 1300s, you know? It's it's The tropes hadn't been the established The tropes hadn't yet. been established. Yeah. It's like Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Yeah, she didn't want to name it like Stugatz too. <laughs> <laughs> I love when we get into the very narrow jokes on here. <laughs> Naturally, the ships would come to be known as the Black Fleet, and Jean would be known as the Lioness of Brittany. Do you think I so could be cool. the lioness of Southern no, California? Too late for you. Oh. It's too late for you. What if I got married three times? <laughs> You've already rebranded. You've already branded yourself as something much too lame. <laughs> a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Being a single mom in her 40s, childcare was probably an issue. So she brought her kids along. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I mean, she wanted to make sure they were still getting a good education, I guess, you know. Uh, of course, she's a homeschooling weirdo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. tracks, yeah. With Edward III backing her, Jean's fleet would spend the next 13 years patrolling the English Channel, looking for any and all French ships. God, 13 years. Starting in her, so this would have been, let's see, he was beheaded. Okay, so 1343, she was found guilty. So she's 43 years old at this point. Ancient. Yeah. And she needs a career change because we all have to retrain many times in our life. And she oh, thought, yeah. you know what? Piracy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's she like made the right choice. It's like so many other mothers, you know, going back to work. <laughs> Jean was absolutely brutal when her fleet captured a ship. They would massacre the entire crew on board, but Clisson would always leave two or three sailors alive so that the message would get back to the king that she'd struck once again. Gangster, basically. Extreme, Completely. extreme G material. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't long before most of Europe knew of the Lioness of Brittany and her Black Fleet. Oh my God! I, <laughs> you got a crush. I have a I have a huge crush right now <laughs> on this woman. Oh my! Can you can someone say MILF? Good Lord! <laughs> oh, I'm losing it over here. During her reign of terror, she destroyed French supply ships and any other vessels owned by King Philip VI and French nobility. Her ships were left untouched by the English, and it is believed that she helped the British with supplies during a major battle in 1346. I mean, they're they're doing a lot to support her. You know, she's going to scratch their back too now and then. Yeah, I mean, she was clearly getting support from the crown in England, and there was kind of debate over was she just was she completely independent or kind of working in service? You know, but yeah, it was she was definitely doing her thing and probably had more than a little help from England. Yeah. Maybe course. a little bit. So, right? yeah. So maybe she was a pirate or a bit of a privateer working in service of the English King. What's clear is that she was public enemy number one in France. Ugh. And if you're wondering what like, like a privateer is essentially a legal pirate. I mean, it kind of spurred the whole advent of piracy. Like, so the English yeah. had like dabbled with basically deputizing like, everyday people who wanted to have ships to basically just carry out sea justice. And then they yeah. decided to pull the plug on it and make it illegal. And then all those guys were like, well, we're no, we're going to keep, keep, we're yeah. going to keep doing this. It was so. essentially like all these, all these like disputed territories, you know, you had the French, the English, Spanish, probably in some parts of the, of the world. Um, they would like one country would, yeah, basically deputize people as privateers. So if you were a privateer for the English, you basically had like, carte blanche yes. to attack any French ship and steal their stuff. You kept everything. and you, They just wanted yeah. it off the waters. My yeah. guess is that they bankrolled her initially to get rid of the French, but then at a certain point were bankrolling her so she wouldn't attack the English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So finally, the French king, Philip VI, died in 1350, but de Clisson did not let up on her piracy. She continued to hunt down French ships and took particular pride in catching the vessels belonging to French nobility. Like a juicy piece of fruit. 
Yeah, Just yeah, like basically. A delectable treat. Like it, it's nice to to you get a ship full of goods, but in some cases you also get to massively insult the people that uh, hurt your husband, killed your husband. Yeah. Yeah, if there was, goods were great, gold, goods, awesome, but if there was a guy with a big hat and a oh, curly mustache yeah, and yeah. boots with buckles on them oh, on board, oh, yep. that's a Pavlovian response. Lioness has got to eat. Come and, on. and these are people who are probably not used to a, a great deal of hardship. Um, I mean, Or women no. standing up to them. Right. And granted, <laughs> no. granted, this is still the Middle Ages, so I think even the richest among them were still living in hell. Yeah, everything uh, smelled but the like poor sh- were on like yeah. the ninth circle of hell, and <laughs> yeah. the rich were on like the fourth or fifth, second, maybe? third. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. They still died of like scurvy at twenty five. Yeah, the black death. Yeah, but they yeah. were, but they did get to eat meat until they died. <laughs> so at instead 26. of mud, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. instead of mud. Um. So, if any aristocrats were on board a captured ship, Jean would reportedly personally behead them with her axe, then toss their bodies overboard. God, yes. do you think I like? Do you think she has like a cell phone, or is she like on Snapchat? <laughs> What's I'm, her Instagram? I am no. I think she's. Right I think she's now. been dead for eight hundred years. You think so? Yeah. I well, I'm looking at the dates, and yes, you're maybe you are a terrible wingman. <laughs> Jean's piracy career came to an end in 1356 when, according to some accounts, the French finally caught up to her and sunk her flagship. Oh. She and her two sons were adrift at sea for five days, and during this time, one of her sons, Guillaume, died of exposure. Jean and her surviving son were eventually rescued by friendly forces and taken to Brittany. Back home, baby. Homecoming. Guess who's back? (laughs) (laughs) After this incident... Jean gave up the pirate life in 1356 after 13 years of terrorizing French ships on the English Channel. Which makes sense. Jean was 56 at this point, which probably made her a senior citizen by Middle Ages standards, and piracy is a young woman's game. She had to go home to die of plague. (laughs) She was welcomed as a hero into the English court and married one of Edward III's lieutenants, the English noble Sir Walter Brentley. The new couple moved to Hennebont Castle in Brittany, which was now under English control. Unfortunately, yeah, she would die three years later from unknown causes. Well, I mean, 59 is old age. That's a bit much. That's like ancient back then, yeah. R.I.P. to a real queen. Yeah. Yeah. She probably overstayed her welcome. Yeah. I love that she was on her fourth husband at that point, still popping it into her 50s. Like, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to get some ships. I'm going to pivot. Okay. Ultimately, the English-supported House of Montfort was successful in winning the Duchy of Brittany and Charles de Blois, who had betrayed Jeanne's husband, was killed in battle in 1364. Also at that battle was Jeanne's son, Olivier, who lost an eye in the conflict and earned the nickname of The Butcher. Yo! Yes. This this is what I'm saying. Ladies, weaponize your sons. Yep. Use their grief. Make them the butcher. And he got that nickname because apparently, just like his mom, he was ruthless in battle. Yo. This is like one of those JRPGs where you play your character and then they die and you play their descendant. (laughs) Jean's son, Olivier, eventually mended fences with France. In 1380, he earned the title Constable of France, which meant that he was the premier nobleman in France, second only to the king himself. Whoa. How the hell do you do that? Dang. That is a quick flip. It's less cool than the butcher, but it does seem to have its perks. Yeah, I I assume he would every once in a while just be sitting on the toilet and just to himself quietly. The butcher. 
I'm the butcher. I was the butcher. Wow. Looking at an old etching of himself. Yeah, yeah. I used to be me. (laughs) Now I'm just constable of France, which is cool. I mean, I can kick poor people out of their houses, but it's nothing like being a butcher. Well, I mean, hey, if he's on the toilet, he might be the constipated of France. Of pants. In in his pants. Keep trying. (laughs) Hello, Uh, 911. I'd like to report a murder. (laughs) When he died, he was reportedly the richest man in France. No, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that... How did he pull that off? I don't know. Francis I, who had become king in 1515, was actually a descendant of Olivier's. So... Wow. She bore kings in her lineage. <laughs> Kingmaker. This is like the rich always stay on top. Always. Through generation yeah. Yeah, yeah. to generation. If somebody's rich now, their parents and grandparents are probably I, rich. I bet you could track this lineage down to some sort of insider I trading mean, or private island yeah. tax evasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the, the funny thing about this, too, is it sounds wild that it's like this woman, her descendant, you know, she waged a personal war against France, and eventually her descendants... Were, would become, you know, kings the kings of France. Of France yeah. But it's also like, well, they were all related beforehand, too. Yes. Like, it's just a matter of anyone, which banner you fly. Anyone in that circle, you could write this same blurb about, you know? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound, you know, I, but I don't want to be a bummer, but they're all related. Yeah. How do you think they stayed noble? They didn't marry the rabble. They exactly. Married each other. Yeah. Now, again, a lot of the details of Jean's life may have been exaggerated. But there are historical records that include a French judgment in 1343, which condemned Jean as a traitor and ordering the confiscation of her lands. So there's definitely, you know, some truth to it. And then two years later, in 1345, there are English court records which indicate Edward granted her an income from lands he controlled in Brittany. Jean is also mentioned in a truce between France and England in 1347 as a valuable English ally. She had to have been a big deal. If she's mentioned in the truce by name, yeah. There's also a 15th century manuscript, the Chronographia Regnum Francorum, which also confirms some of the details of her life. Oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah. The junior year. Yeah. So while she's not a legend by any means, it's definitely possible that some of the stories, like her beheading nobles with an axe, could have possibly been added over time. I heard she beheads nobles with an axe. (laughs) She does, she does. You know, yeah, we don't know for sure. Not every source when you go this far back is reliable. Maybe none, actually. But uh, it's a good story. It's a good story. And, and and I just want to shout out, excellent research, Brian. Yeah. Really good stuff. Because there are not, there's not as much as uh, readily available as there are in, say, a shipwreck that happened in the early 2000s. Yeah. No, this one was, yeah, this one took a little bit more, but uh, it was a fun one. I, 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 I've been fascinated with their story for a while now, so uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity to tell it. This was fun. Yeah, well, this does mean you're going to have to wait another 20 episodes or so before you get another one, so I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah, you get what you get, uh, and you'd ha- you be happy with it. <laughs> and I want to give a shout out to Axes. Uh, just, it's a cool way to murder someone. It seems <laughs> and like. shred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still, Jean's story stands out because while history has some few examples of successful female pirates, nearly all of them came from poor backgrounds. Does that mean they're not cool? Uh, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, They turned to piracy out of a motivation for wealth and to climb out of their circumstances, which, yeah, we see that a lot. By contrast, Jeanne de Clisson came from extremely well-off circumstances. She was noble birth and basically just turned to piracy purely out of revenge. 
gatekeep gaslight girl boss. There you go. <laughs> Those nobles that she beheaded, I'm sure knew her or a lot of them did. Like, hey, we know like yeah. they probably partied together. And she's like, nah, stuff's changed, dude. She's sharpening an axe. Yeah, she's got a in his uh, big like in his we- tights and buckle <laughs> shoes begging. She's got like 20 inch arms. She's just yeah, like yeah. shirtless and just about to chop their heads off. Look, it's Jean. It's Jean. You remember Jean cresting the hill. And then well, who on. are those men? <laughs> who are those hundreds of men? <laughs> All wieldy axes. And look at those black red sailed ships in the de- Jean, stop. Why is that parrot chirping you're screwed over and over? <laughs> I still, can't, cool. I still can't get over that I was the butcher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang. I really was the butcher. I, huh? I really was the butcher. Did I ever tell you about being the butcher? <laughs> this is like, uh, yeah. Also wild that like three years after settling down, she dies. That's like when people like stay in office and they're senators until they're like 85. And mm-hmm. then like they leave office and two years later, it's like they've lost the fight. <laughs> It's hard to keep busy. Yeah, there's to something you gotta, to it. You gotta it. have hobbies. There's something to it. You gotta have hobbies or just like, you know, there's all those old people who work at grocery stores, which I hope, I hope is not out of necessity. No, I hope I they hope just want to keep busy, you know? Yeah. Because you see people at like, you know, anywhere really where they just, they have a pretty easy job, like a Walmart greeter or something like that, uh-huh. where you're kind of just hanging out. Um, I, I hope they're, you know. <laughs> But yeah, it keeps, I guess, I guess it keeps, it gives you a purpose, keeps you going for a little longer. I say to Or you get into like model trains. I say to any senior listenership, uh, listeners, I would say try piracy. It's never too late. Harrison Ford was a carpenter before he did New Hope. That's right. So I say, get yourself a fleet, sell your jewelry, get some med, take your your kids with you, sell your land. Yeah. Yeah, Just hit that, hit the English channel. Sell your condo. Sell your your condo and your Kindle and see what you can scrounge up. Start hitting the, hitting the waves, you know, buy a speedboat. Well, you you already own a speedboat. Um, (laughs) Get in your speedboat and, you know, get out there. Bring an axe. Yeah. See what you can find. You're already in Florida. All right. You're already near the ocean. <laughs> Get off Facebook and face the world. Yeah. Oh, it's true, Brian. Also, you know, you know, the butcher probably told his friends, like, you think I'm tough. You should have met my mom. Oh, she yeah. was Mrs. Nuts. Butcher. She was insane. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I know I said I had a crush on her, but she sounds like the most intimidating woman in history. Uh yeah. It's probably tough to be around. Yeah, maybe when you're that a little, when you're that <laughs> driven by revenge, like being driven by revenge is of course cool. But when you're that driven by revenge, that for 13 years you slaughter nobles and <laughs> steal their ships, uh, that's that's extreme. That's a very narrow focus, I think. Yeah, I think she was probably bipolar. At, at really, the, we're getting yeah. an official diagnosis from Brian. <laughs> or borderline, you never know. Charlotte's. <laughs> <Sure, yeah. laughs> Visualizing the comments we're going to get for that one right now. <laughs> Come and get it, baby. Yeah. DM at Brian Gar. Okay, yeah. Hit up Brian with any any and all. Not us. Not us. <laughs> not us. Not us. And not the Ship Hits Pod account on Leave Twitter. Leave it on the reviews, too. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Stop, Brian. I want to... Can I please get an honorable oh, mention, Foghorn? Yeah. Okay, gang, we are leaving the ships and follies of man and the beheading of French nobility at the hands of Jean de Clausson behind for this honorable mention, which is an underwater volcano deep in the Pacific Ocean, which has recently erupted. Mm-hmm. 
Now, why, why are we, we talking yeah. about this? Exactly. Well, because it has gotten the nickname Sharkano. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Uh, now, unfortunately, it is not a natural underwater landmass that erupts sharks. <laughs> right. Yeah. As That'd be insane. cool as yeah. that would be, yeah. an yeah. asylum, <clears throat> if you're looking for yeah. somebody to pitch... I have a script for you. Yeah. But this volcano, Sharkano, due to, quote, nearly continuous eruptions, you would think the water surrounding would be more or less uninhabitable. Mm. However, despite super hot water that is just brimming with sulfur, the area is home to fish and sharks, and they are yeah. thriving. Have uh, you seen videos of places like this? I have. It's incredibly it's, cool. It's nature is so, healing. It's a yeah. different color. It's yeah, like it's the, orange. It's orange. Everything's yeah. orange. Because the water yeah, is like. You see sharks like. All kinds of wildlife swimming around in it. It's like a very uh, healthy ecosystem. Yeah, it, it, like. it really is. It's kind of amazing. So these animals have mutated to be able to live in these waters, and a good deal of them are sharks who like to swim astonishingly close to the volcano itself, like in this like crater area. And so yeah. you got you got both silky and scalloped hammerheads, uh, a species which I guess is becoming more strange by the day. Yeah, we needed more evolutionary variants <laughs> in the hammerhead species. <laughs> yeah, well, they've, it's some, I don't know, I got a little bit into the nitty-gritty about bacteria and natural uh, sulfur-eating, I don't know, something about gut yeah, health, yeah. maybe. I, I'm not really quite sure. Anyway, images from space show Sharkano, which uh, the real name is Kavachi, Kavachi uh, hmm. which is uh, named for a god. Um, uh, it Where shows Sharkano erupting for, um, I don't know exactly. Oh, it's, it's not crazy far from Papua New Guinea okay. or Australia. It's pretty. Okay. Yeah. Second, second question. Where are those? <laughs> Where's Australia? <laughs> so the Southern hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Third question. What is. The <laughs> anyway, images from space show Sharkano erupting for several days between April and May of this year, 2022. So it's not a shipwreck, um, but granted, neither was the episode. Uh, yeah. it, it's just a notable event at sea, all the same. So I, I say it counts. Yeah. I, I, how am I supposed to see the word Sharkano mm -hmm. and not talk about it? I, yeah, no, I agree. You don't I'm have to you. defend your choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank thank you. you, guys. You guys are my rock. You're my Hasslewood rock. Thank you. The one that sunk, the, uh, killed the all Norsh. those women and children? What? No, uh, mm. It did. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about it. We should get out of here. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, buy, buy our merchandise. Oh, yeah. I'm, wear, I'm wearing the shirt right now. You see She's the patch? She's not lying. Yeah. She's not I got, lying. I got the shirt on. Uh, I got the, the hoodie in the mail. That's yeah. also real nice. So go to the go to store.roosterteeth.com and you can pick up some of those beautiful items and see some pictures of Patrick and Omar sporting our goods. Yeah, uh, we, follow went us. The, we went to the beach. You went to the beach? You went to the marina? Well, we went to the marina. We didn't go to the beach. Stone's throw. It. Stone's throw. Follow us on Ship Hits Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which we we will start programming too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'll, I'll believe it, I'm when we see it right now. Uh, that's that's all I have. All right, thanks everybody. May your bones bleach in these sands. Bye. Bye.